Before war broke out between our governments, you bought me a drink. I wish to return the favor. For the first time in a hundred years, we have something in common beyond hatred. I find that most extraordinary. And so, a drink to the humans. And to the bridge they created between us. In the hope for a better future. For both our worlds. I apologize for the lack of chains. The cleaning service must have removed them. I do know who my friends are. And that I have not done as well by them as I should. I hope to change that. I hope to do better. The hostiles might be splitting up so they can be with both groups, to keep them in line. Unless they're all hostile, and some are just more hostile than others. Well, thank you for that ray of sunshine, Marcus. Next time I feel the need to be depressed, I'll remember to give you a call. When are you coming back? I'm not. The battle to save a rebel planet. Mark will scramble everything he's got. Could be the showdown that changes the course of the war. No surrender, no retreat. Aren't all new? Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Match incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. there in podcast land welcome to gray 17 of babylon 5 podcast a part of the front row network and npr illinois community voices we're a group of first ones watching babylon 5 for the umpteenth time and a group of newbies who are watching babylon 5 for the very first time and we are here today to talk about season four episode 15 no surrender no retreat my name's scott and with me is emily like justin mike nicole jesse and Kevin. Before we get started, a reminder, as always, to please join us in our social media accounts. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. They're all linked down below. If you're listening to us on your podcast app of choice, be sure to subscribe, like, and if you can leave a review, that'd be great too. Specifically Apple, that absolutely helps us grow the show. And then if you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, be sure to hit that like, subscribe, and that notify button. We actually went live a about a week ago, and uh, we had quite a few folks on there, but I did see several people saying they wish they had heard about it and didn't, and that notify bell will make sure that you get notified every time we do go live. Along with the reviews, I have a review that came in here a few weeks ago that comes from, and this was my handle during college as well, No Date For Me, and this is, These People Are Crazy, is the title. It's a five star before I get started. Fitting. These people are crazy, and that's why I like them so much. 
It's great hearing their discussions about the show, and it's great to hear the newbie predictions. The first ones get entirely too much entertainment from their guesses, but I think the newbies hold their own during the podcast. I like these kooky people. They feel like old friends looking forward to the rest of the show and seeing what you do afterwards. So thank you, No Date for Me. We appreciate it. And if you can, please, again, anyone who is listening, leave that review. It does help us get the show going. Finally, you can join us on our Patreon, uh, and that link is down below as well. Anyone who joins a Patreon at any level gets access to our Discord servers, which includes a general conversation where the newbies lurk around and a spoiler section where everyone else lurks around. And a thank you to our Patreon Grey Council, our producers. They are all listed in the show notes below. Okay, we're going to go ahead and start talking about No Surrender, No Retreat, which is also the season title. So usually that means it's a rather important episode, and Justin's got a synopsis for us. Yeah. Basically, Sheridan says it himself. Enough is enough. And being finally being fed up with Clark's bullshit, Babylon 5 starts the war against Clark that we've all been waiting for. Meanwhile, Veer is back on Babylon 5, and Londo extends an olive branch to Jakar. Lastly, the Resistance is building up the steam it needs to build a better future. Meanwhile, Veer is on the station again, so Emily can stop fucking annoying us with questions about Veer. <laughs> Fuck you, Scott. Damn. <laughs> and <laughs> let's go to our first impressions. And since Emily is already in rare form, we'll get our newbie first impression from Emily first. Well, I didn't hate it. <laughs> I love watching Scott and Blake do a facepalm every time I say that. I might say it whether or not, you know, I didn't hate it, even if I love it, might keep it up. Um, For fuck's sake. <laughs> you can send your Emily reviews to us via Apple. Enjoy. Yeah, I'm going to get Blake an aneurysm with this bullshit. Actually, I did enjoy this episode. I like seeing Veer come back. Just, you know knowing that he still exists. The discussion with Londo and Jakar was really interesting. It was a really good scene. They did a great job acting it. Um, I still don't like Sheridan. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> just going to throw it out there. No real reason. He just, I don't like the guy. He still irritates the hell out of me and I can't quite figure out why, but yeah, he annoys me. Nicole, first impressions. Well, damn, that was an episode. That was great. From start to finish, from the jump, it was just go, go, go. There was a lot going on. Pretty much everybody was in this episode, which was cool. Obviously, the scene with Jakar and Lando was pretty amazing and iconic, and their acting ability was just incredible, as always. I actually really liked Sheridan in this episode. I really liked his gusto. I liked his balls. and Not, like, literally, but, like, the balls he had to go after Earth. And, uh-huh. Uh, were no, they glistening like and or no uh, god no i like the fact that he just was like i've had it i'm done let's fucking do this and i just i i really liked just the momentum of everything everybody was on board it was cool so i liked that obviously veer i think still being tortured by killing cartesia he's having nightmares i felt bad for him i thought it was really cool at the end that he invited all the captains of the other ships to come and talk to him uh that was very diplomatic and obviously he had a goal with that but i just thought that was really cool to like the people on earth are limited to what they think or hear about sheridan so having them actually come onto the white star and talk with him and meet him i thought that was really cool and kind of a, a way to almost show that he's a normal guy yeah garibaldi what was that? Never coming back. Like, come on, cranky old man. What the hell? So that upset me as well. 
I have a lot of thoughts, but I'll stop talking now and we'll get to it as we chat. Jesse, first impressions. You know that it's a time when I think that I feel like this um, episode was one of those feel good episodes. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did like it. I liked it a lot. And I enjoyed where the other captains came through and actually did what was right it was nice it was nice to see jakar remains a better person far better person than i could ever be i found it funny that they were talking about the respect that londo had for jakar in this episode after our nice long debate about beating a dead horse with the fact that one didn't respect the other so i kind of giggled when i heard that that conversation overall i enjoyed this episode quite a bit like to see fear back so it's exciting to see everybody kind of in one place you hear to hear first folks jesse sees a whole bunch of people die in fiery armageddon and it's a feel-good episode it's feel good <laughs> if people didn't think we were fucked up after our uh no shit <laughs> online cards against humanity that might just push it over the edge if you haven't caught that episode yet, it's on our YouTube under Late Night Shenanigans. Enjoy. Evil shenanigans. <laughs> Justin, first impressions. Nothing warms the heart like a massive fireball in space. Right. And I think this has probably got to be my favorite episode this season thus far. I'm actually glad to be wrong in my prediction that Proxima 3 was a trap and that Sheridan was walking into. I'm glad it didn't work out that way. So it's nice to be wrong every so often. <laughs> I kind of agree with Nicole. I thought this was a really good episode for Sheridan and kind of redeemed himself a little bit in my eyes with, he is a stone cold blooded warrior. And I think that's what I like about him. Everything else, I can see the annoying bits that people don't like, but the fact that he just is out of fucks to give and just goes straight, straight into battle. And where whether he's a good leader on the station, he's an excellent battle commander. And I think that's kind of, I think, what endears him to me um, at this point. And then, yeah, every time, every time Andreas and Peter are on screen together, it's gold. I mean, I know we talk about that all the time, but it was a really moving scene between those two. Um, from Jakar's coldness towards Londo and the, the sadness and depression on Londo's face as Jakar is pouring the drink back into the bottle. You can just see the look on his face and just the hope drain. And even again, that the scene at the bar later, like, oh God, I can't, I can't talk about it enough how wonderful those two are together. But um, that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> Justin, whenever you talk about uh, Sheridan being a cold-hearted uh, warrior, I always think about what his dad told him long ago. Remember, remember what he said? No, I've talked in my head now. It's uh, he said, don't ever start a fight, but always be the but one finish to finish it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. He didn't start this war with Clark, but he sure is shit going to finish it. Okay. Let's go over to our first ones who have watched the entire show. Mike, first impressions. I really like this episode. I, I found that uh, time, time literally flew by as I started this one. To be honest, I really actually kind of agree with Jesse on the whole feel good episode. Uh, Yes, for all of the serious heaviness that is really happening in this episode, it is it is one where, by and large, the good guys are steamrolling. They have the momentum, and, and the, the things that we, as viewers, want to happen are happening. 
um, you know, between the the battle between uh, Sheridan and and Clark's forces, and you know, the whole thing with Jakar and Londo really stole the show, and we'll get into it, but it it ends in uh, a feel good place, and so between those two plot lines, I think you know, it it is really one that, that kind of warms you up a little, which I'm sure means that we're gonna get Empire Strikes Back next week, but. <laughs> There you go. I really like this one. By the way, Mike isn't throwing out a spoiler or anything. He's just trying to be fun. Come at me. <laughs> the the comment section will. They do to me all the time. I know. Kevin, first impressions. This is my favorite episode of this season. I think this is Sheridan as best. I, I agree with Nicole and Justin. I mean, this is, I mean, he was kind of stone cold in this one. And it it was necessary for what he had to do. Um, I don't know that I would... I would agree that this is a, a feel-good episode with a crew literally biting the dust uh, in front of everybody, but um, I, I I get it because there was there were some elements of it, signs of the possibility of reconciliation in some way, shape, or form between Jakar and Londo at the end, and the battle or battles ahead looking like they have a shot at at something. So yeah, I get it, but. Uh, you know that battle scene uh, and flipping between captains was a was a, a great device, and I I really enjoyed this episode. Blake, I also really enjoy this episode for season four, and also getting more into finally having an open conflict between the folks at B five and and EarthGov. I do think because I'm someone who liked Sheridan before we started doing this. You know, I was I always thought Sheridan was the better captain and stuff for B five, but. And I still do, but I'm starting to see some of the issues people have. Like this one, I know in the scene where he was in there with the council and telling them Earth stands alone and that they're going to go take back their home. You know, this is a, kind of a serious speech, but he almost, when they did that close-up of him, had this weird smile smirk thing going. And and I can kind of see where, and I don't know if it's just his acting of the character. I don't know if it's the direction they were whoever was directing the episode, if, you know, and it's Mike Vehar, which I don't, I can't see that being a direction issue from him, but, you know, something in there, just the way in some of these scenes that the physicality of the way Sheridan plays the role doesn't align necessarily with the dialogue, in my opinion. So I think that's where some people are having an issue with Sheridan, because I'm picking up on it more on this more intentional rewatch of it. But overall, I still think it's a great episode. I, I am not going to pull a Jesse and say that watching a ship blow up and burn in space with hundreds of bodies suffering on it is the heartwarming show of the season. You know, we're not going to sign this sucker up for the Hallmark channel quite yet, but overall yeah. a great episode. They didn't show any people on fire. Right. You guys so. are acting like big babies. Like we just saw a bunch of limbs and blood, <laughs> like suck it up buttercup. This is B5. Get to the <laughs> escape pods. Kablooey. Excuse me. Don't lump me into the babies. I didn't say anything. Thank you. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, as already been mentioned by Blake and kind of by Kevin too, with the back and forth shots and edits, this is absolutely another Mike Vehar episode. I mentioned a few weeks ago that he's my favorite director of B5, and you can see why in this episode again too. Also, the pacing on this episode is very good. It really, and Mike, you mentioned this, it feels like this is not a 45-minute episode. It feels like it goes a lot faster. I think part of that is the pacing of the episode, and part of it is too, honestly, we haven't had many really fast-paced season four episodes yet. We've been kind of spinning our wheels a little bit. So the fact that we've got one now that is very much uh, focused on the main plot of the season and really moving our pieces on the board, it seems like it's just kind of moving better. And, um, yeah, 
Emily, I don't know. I, I can't help you in terms of Sheridan because I've been the dog on Sheridan for a while and I don't have any problems with him in this episode. Like, I didn't see this... it. It's the tone I... of voice and the facial expressions don't match what's happening and the seriousness of it. See, but then you have him on the bridge of the White Star and he is extremely serious throughout the entire thing. So we'll see. This is still not the episode I said where I'll turn around on Sheridan's, uh, my opinion on Sheridan. We're getting there. This is also not my favorite episode, but it's close. My favorite episode deals with a sandwich. And we'll leave it at that. The meatball sandwich? You'll have to find out. No spoilers. Meh. Justin, what do you got? I just have two random ass questions to ask. One, <laughs> the guy who plays Mackie. I feel yes. like I've seen him before, but I couldn't think of where. I can tell you where. That was, that was a burning question in my mind. He is Richard Grant. Yes. That helps you at all. Well, I mean, I but I know I've, I've mm. seen him on other stuff, but I couldn't think of where. A bunch He's, of stuff. He's one of those actors where, like, I feel like I've seen him in a lot of different things, but I couldn't pinpoint any particular... He's definitely a character actor. He's in a lot of stuff. But what I always remember him for is he is the the promoter in Rocky Five. He's the asshole oh, promoter shit. with the that, big hair. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> that makes, yep, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. He's in a lot of other stuff, but whenever yeah. I see him, I'm like, oh, Rocky Five. No, okay. man, he's, he's one of the cops in The Big Lebowski. That's true. Oh, you're right. He is too, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. And he was in an episode of How I Met Your Mother uh, as a judge, which is kind of memorable too, but he's been in tons of stuff. I mean, his IMDb is just yeah. all over the yeah, place. Yeah. He's, he's that one he's guy. Still, is is he still yeah. working? Or... Yep. yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, he was just on The New Wonder Years, uh, Magnum P.I., NCIS LA. I mean, he's, he's on lots of <laughs> I stuff. Love... This just says something about television today. Is he on stuff that's, uh, is he still acting? Yeah, he was on Magnum P.I. in the Wonder Years. <laughs> right. Yeah, the new ones. Yes. Not wrong. Yeah, I'm going to go a, watch That's Quantum a very Leap. valid point. And then question number two. Mm-hmm. The uniforms that everybody's wearing in the CNC, is, is that new or was it like casual Friday that day? <laughs> So they've been, since they broke away from Earth, there's kind of been amongst the non-command staff uh, where they've gone with more of the casual, instead of wearing their Earth Force uniforms, because not everybody got the fancy, cool Membari, you know, Army of Light uniform. There there was only so much fabric to go around in the costume department and budget. But there there was a men's warehouse downstairs. (laughs) Exactly. There was a men's warehouse. So they all got the lovely matching, you know, casual Friday shirt and a pair of slacks. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah, it's it's somebody said stroke business casual today, and uh, the tailors are still stuck uh, working on Zach's fifth uniform attempt. That's what they're doing, right? But all right, yep, that's all I had. Those were the two random questions for tonight. Sheridan had a lot of Coles cash sitting around. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me, I actually have some Coles cash I gotta use. Everybody's got Coles cash. So do I. Okay, let's go ahead and dive into the episode. And we've got basically two plots here. We've got Jakar and Londo, and we've got Proxima 3. So let's go to Jakar and Londo first. Nicole, go for it. Well, first off, to start out, I just want to pat myself on the back because I called it and I said they respected each other. And even though Jakar was cold towards Londo, Londo admitted he respected Jakar. And Jakar sort of kind of came around at the end. And <laughs> Did I he never... really? Did he no. really? Did I mean, just kind of, sort of, maybe, no. I mean, he did sign the thing, the the joint thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, 
I did call it. I said there was some respect there. And Londo respected him. I just wanted to pat myself in the back. I never get any. I got one. All right. So let me have just, it. Hold on. I just need to say five seconds. Just because he says it doesn't mean it's actually true. So, oh, like, exactly. You can say. Oh. Okay, Emily, too. Him, but when I kill Justin's cat, I don't respect him. Stop Emilying me. <laughs> I will say this was a thing uh, on the interwebs back in the day, too, where people were like, so is Londo being good now? Right. No, he's not. He's being Londo. So people are hesitant to believe it after everything we've seen with Londo. So you're not alone to be hesitant. I was just saying I never get one. So I felt like I got one on that. OK, I'm still not giving you the Chikar one. Dude wouldn't even look okay, at Londo's 50, face. 50. I got 50 percent of okay. it. All right. Thank you. Because <laughs> you Anyways, said Chikar kind of did. I'm, like, I'm no, giving myself one pat on the back instead of two okay mr technical thank you okay but seriously though that whole scene wow i rewinded and watched it like three times in a row because i just couldn't believe like how good it was i mean the ability to make you physically feel the uncomfortableness the coldness the empathy the depression the like I felt it in in my heart. Like I was like, damn, like it like affected me. And that right there, I think, is a making of good TV or a good movie or good acting. If they can make you physically feel what's happening, like, damn. I just I just wanted to say that first before we dive into it, because that was incredible. Yeah, Nicole, you're right. I mean, it, we, we've seen this a couple of times now where basically JMS just puts Chikar and Londo into a room together and lets them bounce off each other. And it's always freaking gold. Yeah. And I, I liked how in the meeting with the non-aligned worlds, Jakar like stood up and was like, why would we keep supporting Earth? Where the hell were they when we were getting attacked and they weren't the ones doing the humanitarian aid for us and they weren't the ones helping out like from the jump, Jakar was on board. And I think that I really liked that the Narn and the Centauri were doing a joint kind of like in agreeance because I feel like that is going to get everyone else like, oh, well, shit, if these two hate each other and are literally murdering each other. Maybe we should jump on board and support this too. That whole dynamic, the sh the scenes, I don't want to call it a treaty, joint statement. That's the word I was looking for. I just really thought that that was like smart. And I thought that was a cool idea and, and like thing to happen because I do think that that is going to be the catalyst for some of the other hesitant non-aligned world. So I just thought that was really cool. Justin. While we're kind of patting ourselves on the back over here, I'm going to do one for myself. I made the prediction not too long ago that we're going to start seeing the Narn and Centauri working together, and that's what we got. Regardless of the motivation, you can think whatever you want to think about why they're doing whatever. Even like Ivanova says at the very end during her broadcast, the fact that these two people, or these two peoples, who were very recently at war with each other, can come together and work together towards a common goal is saying a huge thing. Like, this is a massive deal. The fact that the Centauri and Narn will agree to anything together is huge. But once again, we find ourselves being gaslit by Scott. What I do? I've been quiet. No, I'm saying just in general. You've been making in fun general. of us for... You've been making fun of us for a while, my friend, about any hope for redemption for Londo. And we now we're starting yet, to see it. Okay. I believe it. Okay. I believe it. No. Okay. So I think Wando is cold. finally trying to make up for past mistakes. Justin, ah. I want you to go back and watch War Without End, parts one and two, and then we'll talk. But that doesn't mean that's the future we're going to get. It's Back true. to the Future taught us futures can always be changed. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and Avengers Endgame taught us that Back to the Future was full of shit. Well, it's, it so... Did. 
That was actually and, a scene. Yeah, and later <laughs> seasons of Lost taught us something. No, they didn't. <laughs> Lost taught us nothing, okay? Spoilers, they're all dead. So that leads me to a couple kind of questions I wanted to pose to the uh, general audience here. Is Londo entitled to any shred of forgiveness or redemption? I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in forgiveness and redemption. So I always want to try to think that a lot of people, given the tools and the ability to do so, can be redeemed and can be forgiven for past crimes. For a while, I've been advocating that Londo, I think, will redeem himself by the end of this series. And I, I personally think we're starting to see some of that. I think he's actually being genuine. And I think the whole point of it, the writing is so good by JMS because JMS doesn't want you to believe it at this point. But I think that it, I think it's honestly there. Anyone want to answer? Well, I just want to chime in that I have one sentence that can back Justin up, to be honest. Ooh, the sentence. Bring La- I even wrote it down. Londo says, I know... Basically, I know I have not done better. I want to do better by my friends. And he wants to do better. Yes, I want to do better by my friends. Who's his friends? Jakar? Sheridan, Jakar, everybody. No. The human. That's not his friend. The whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, that's not your friend. You just murdered his entire fucking family. You guys are not friends. I can't. Go ahead. Move on. I Londo sucks. And Londo's always gonna suck. And I don't, I like, I'm like, this is giving me first season vibes where John could not like. Oh, he's a great person. No, he's not. He's a fucking asshole. Yeah. What would Jakar say? I'm sorry, there's not enough chains in here for you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyone else want to answer Justin's questions? I just do not understand Londo in this scene. Like, unkind? What What the fuck does he expect? Mm-hmm. Like, you no, know, I agree with tortured. that. I agree with that. You know, his entire world got, you know, bombed to the back to the Stone Age. Like he's talking about a bridge and it's like, what bridge do you see that is that is uh, anywhere but in your own mind? Like, I just don't I mean, Jakar clearly is of the of the thought process. Drink not with thine enemy. And I can't for the life of me disagree with the guy. I just don't you know, he at, at at best, he was an accomplice to war crimes and mass murder. Like, and and none of and you know, terrible. You know, uh, for the most part, at uh, only one world, and that's Jakar's. So why why would Jakar sign up to give him any shred of forgiveness? Especially, you know, when Londo just recently is like, oh, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll decide to do what I should have done in the first place and and try to make good on stuff. But then he even shows you a flash when he says, well, I didn't go back on my word. Mm -hmm. I could have changed my mind and totally, you know, fucked over your entire world. But I decided not to do that because I was being nice that day. What the fuck, Londo? Like, what do you want? Yeah, I'm 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 mostly on the side of no, Londo is absolutely not redeemed or getting even close to redeemed yet. Again, I go back to what I say all the time. Mass drivers. <laughs> they yeah. dropped asteroids on Narn. I didn't say re- now. He didn't push the button, but he he was there. <laughs> but I'm not saying he's fully redeemed, and I'm not saying he's fully forgiven. Mm-hmm. But I think this is an important first step of him admitting his guilt in his role in history. The one thing I will back you up on, Justin, is I, I, I get what Kevin's coming from, but I think this is really, truly what Londo the character would have done. Even though it doesn't make much sense, it is Londo, because he even says... 
And he says the same thing that we heard him say back in the gathering. I'm a patriot. All I want is for my people to be better off. He said the same thing to Garibaldi the first time we saw him. All I'm here to do is to make us a better people again. Now, that may include wiping Narn off the face of the universe, or maybe not. We'll see how it goes. Uh, and there's and that that and that justification's been used countless times, not only in history, but in different movies as well. General Zod and Man of Steel said, Every action I take, no matter how cruel, is for the good of my people. I'm sorry, Man of Steel is a shit movie. Moving on. Oh, come on, Justin. You had to see that one coming from Scott. <laughs> oh, I knew. Me and the guy. Huh? I knew. I knew. That's why that's why I said why do you think I said it? I posted on my yeah, Facebook I, a while ago. In one Metropolis battle, Christopher Reeve says, Don't do it. What about the people? And the other Metropolis battle, uh, whatever his name, Henry Cavill, just bounces in the buildings and knocks them the fuck over. Superman. Hi. Listen, Henry Cavill's hot. Don't talk shit about him. Uh, so is Christopher Reeve. <laughs> hot, dude. It's the only reason I've ever seen a Superman movie. Because of him. Because I wanted delicious. to be in the outfit. Yeah, Christopher Reeve's hotter. And he was, looked a lot better, actually, in the Tudor. for the hair out. But that's okay. Well, I okay. a- Scott, I think a, a throng of women would disagree well, with you. Sorry. About- I, yeah. I think he looks the uh, best as the Witcher, including one in my house who just drools every time Cavill's on 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 film. It actually has given me a complex. I... So, pretty sure most women would be like, "No, Kevin, Cavill. what's not hey. giving you a complex?" Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. I do have a thought on Justin's question, though. Oh please. So okay, so I I can see I I get where Je- Jesse's coming from, and like. I get what you're saying, but for me, I think I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying Londo's a great guy. Like I'm not, you know, being like other people just Neither can't, like, was I, but I'm yeah. just saying that like, I personally, I always look for the best in people. And, you know, I kind of, if they try to redeem themselves, I might hear them out depending on the situation. So that's just a me thing. You know what I mean? I guess maybe I'm an optimist or maybe I'm, you know, uh, I, I also am with Justin on that, you know, forgiveness and redemption are real things. You know, if somebody proves himself or like, I, I think sometimes we need to forgive and move on or forgive and forget. Not saying that, you know, Jakar needs to do that. But what I'm trying to say is for me personally, I think I'm kind of like, I don't want to say I'm looking at it with rose colored glasses because I'm not stupid and I'm not naive. I can see what's happening in a big picture. But I just, I don't know. I feel like for me, I always try to, look for the best in people and I kind of like look for those qualities to come out so I can see why Justin feels that way like it's he's making a step to try to redeem himself and like this and that because he did seem I mean obviously we know Londo can act and he can play and he can do whatever but he did seem honestly like very empathetic and and like you know sad about the situation but what really kind of put the nail in the coffin for me at the very end when he took the drink the empty cup and he kind of smiled like you know i was just like oh maybe he is finding some sort of shred of decency time will tell but i'm just saying i see a, a small glimmer of hope but i'm not gonna like put all my eggs in the basket but I always and, and even like with Franklin, a lot of people didn't like him, but I've always liked him from the beginning. You know what I mean? I just see different things that I look for in people. And if they have those things, I kind of gravitate towards that. So I just okay. saw that coming out of Londo today. So I can see why Justin felt that way. But I also see Jesse's point, too. So, you know, I am um, I'm kind of in the middle. I think Jesse makes excellent points. And I am in no way, no way saying Londo's a great guy and. You know, but I think I think the intent is there yeah. for him to 
own up to his crimes yeah. and to try and make right as much as he can. Yeah. I don't know if it's, there's no way he could ever fix everything he's done. It's impossible. You, yeah. you can't bring the dead back to life. Like, so he, 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 he can't permanently fix the situation, but I think that this episode kind of demonstrated he has at least an interest and an intent mm -hmm. yeah. on trying to rectify as much as he can. Now, again, I agree with Nicole. Only time will tell how far that goes. At, at least I think it was an important thing for Londo to it because he is a very proud person coming from a very proud race. Yeah. For him to admit that he's he was wrong and that he didn't, you know, like he even said, I there are a lot of my friends who and he's talking about, I think, just the Babylon 5 mm -hmm. family in general. He's like, all my friends, I didn't do well by them. And I think he wants to not only try and, you know, maybe not in, endear is the wrong word, but maybe, you know, try and kind of do some right by Jakar. But I think we're going to start seeing him kind of try and do this by other people. And I think taking this step of doing this, you know, you know what, we're burning our treaty with Earth yeah. and we're throwing all of our support and resources behind Babylon 5 is, I think, a step to try to rectify past wrongs with Sheridan and the rest of the Babylon 5 staff as well. Well, and also it's OK for us all to disagree because we're going to interpret sure. things in different ways. So yes. the way I interpret something might not be the same as Emily or Blake or Scott. So it's OK for us to disagree, but I feel like all of our points are valid and we're mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. whatever we perceive is how we interpreted it because yeah. i'll tell you what there's been plenty of fucking episodes i had no idea what was happening and i was completely <laughs> wrong and yeah. i was like oh okay but i interpreted that completely different so i just wanted to kind of you know make that point too you know i think that that's what makes a healthy lively discussion is if we all agreed this would be so fucking boring you're right, Nicole. You are absolutely entitled to your wrong opinion. You are absolutely I, right. entitled to it. I don't give a rat's ass if you guys don't agree with me or not. <laughs> I just want to put it out there that I take great joy in interpreting things differently from Scott. But, uh, you know, it's been it's been a little scary lately that we've been agreeing. Jesse, I 100% agree with everybody. If you guys' opinions were the same as mine, I wouldn't be on this podcast because it's boring as shit to sit there and just be like, yeah, we're all on the same page. Um, but here's the thing. Here's my issue with the argument about he's trying to look for redemption or he's trying to, you know, trying to make up for whatever he did. He still needs something from Jakar. That's the, in my opinion, that's the only reason he's being nice is because he needs him to sign this piece of paper. I understand that people deserve forgiveness, but like when you say, when he says, you know, I haven't done well or I haven't done right by my friends, like there's, there's like not calling a friend when, you know, they're grandma passes away that's not doing right by your friend not not doing right by your friends is killing their whole family and then saying i didn't do right by my friends like you murdered everybody that he loved i'm not sure that you ever considered me a friend in the first place it goes hold back to justin's cats thing <laughs> but my issue is like yes everybody deserves forgiveness but Hitler is not on my top list of people that I'm going to be like, if he says sorry, we're going to just let him go ahead and like make redemption. No, fuck you. You killed a bunch of fucking people and you can rot in hell just like everybody else that did the same thing. Yeah, no one's forgiving Hitler. Well, I was about to say, <laughs> no though, hold on, time out. 
You know, depending on how many Narn were on Narn, I think Londo was involved in more death yes. than Hitler was. Yes, and nobody should fucking forgive Londo either. Fuck that guy. That's, I'm just, that's my opinion. <laughs> I love that character and I loved him in the beginning and I still love his character. Mm -hmm. So let's be like, he, Pierre is an amazing actor and I love when he's on scene, but I also really fucking love to hate his character because his character's an asshole. It's just, it's easy for me not to like his character, but love his character at the same time. I don't know if that's easy, like if that's understandable, mm -hmm. like I don't like what he does and I don't like what he's done, but I love watching him on the screen. Um, I still think he's a dickhead. So well, I just, Jesse, to your point about if we all had the same opinions, this would be a really boring fucking show. If all the characters on a TV show were likable, it would be a really fucking boring show. Right. L Londo's, you know, he's not a really a villain, but he's not a hero either. His ambiguity makes his character. Okay, let's keep rolling here. Emily, what do you got? Let's start with one of the biggest issues with Londo. He is always plotting, scheming, planning, and manipulating. So while he may seem genuine on the surface, we have no reason to actually trust this fucker. Okay? Also, we have no reason to trust any fucker. Let's be honest. Right. Here. She doesn't trust any. <laughs> yes, but he's at the top of the do not trust list. Yeah, well, I have an appointment with a therapist. We might get to it eventually. <laughs> We'll work on that. <laughs> also, you can join our Patreon and pay for Emily's therapy. Right. Yeah, that would actually be great. Thanks. <laughs> um, the trying to see the best in people is a good way to get gaslit. Only if you use that to manipulate you. Only it's... if you're not strong enough to avoid that, because ain't nobody gaslighting me. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't listened to her Beyond the Rims, Nicole. Ah! Wow. <laughs> if you tried to gaslight me in person, though, I'd call your bitch ass out. I'm just saying. Well, you may want to go back and watch some of the episodes. <laughs> You know what, fuck. Scott? Kiss my ass. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> he said, fuck off, Scott. Damn. Yeah. So, in like the way the scene with Londo and Jakar was acted was incredible. Like, they did an incredible job with it. And I do agree with Jesse. Like, Londo as a character is so complex that I enjoyed that aspect of it mm -hmm. because we have something to argue about. Because if we didn't have something to argue about, this would be really boring. Right. And I'd probably end up napping during it Wait. um yeah but i just like and if londo's actually being genuine for once he has screwed himself over so bad because no one is going to think it's real mm -hmm. and i don't i don't even know if he knows one way or the other at this point if he's doing it because he actually feels it if he's doing it because it's another like it's another tactic it's another way to try to get something he wants something he needs if it's a combination, it's it's so hard to actually, like, read him. But yeah, there you go. Kevin. So this this scene was so long. And so they they kept pushing back the, the filming of the scene towards the end of the day because they got behind on schedule that day. And the actors were really hoping they were going to push it to the next day. But they ended up filming it really late at the end of the day. And... Vehar said if it had been any other two actors, he probably would have pushed it to the next day. But these guys were are and were the most prepared of any of the actors. Um, they always knew their lines. They were always ready to go. They didn't need a lot of rehearsal or anything. So um, they just ran with it. And I, they only had, I think, two camera angles, you know, when they were talking. And 
they were slightly off kilter. And I think the reason that Vehar chose to do it that way is because he just wanted it to seem like they just were not anywhere close to being on the same page and not really, um, you know, making even eye contact through, you know, large parts of that scene. Um, but this, this whole episode just builds tension through it because, you know, Vehar's trademark where he's just, always moving the camera back and forth and um creating that tension with it and man that that scene was a great snapshot of that because there was a lot of tension in that room and not that the actors weren't weren't doing a huge part part of that but the the direction you know from vehar is just top notch all right so i feel like we've beat this pretty well to death but I'm One just more gonna shish put, kebab for you know, it. I'm just going to put my two cents in about the way that I read that whole thing. And it actually starts in the in a previous scene where we see Veer. And I think there's a very deliberate reason while, why they introduce you to Veer in the way that they do, basically showing that he is still haunted by his actions, that he is drinking himself to sleep and having nightmares about what he did. Okay, flash forward now to Londo walking into Jakar's quarters. And first and foremost, you're absolutely right. Londo was there for a reason. He has a purpose. He wants Jakar to sign a piece of paper, agree to do a thing with it. I think the whole reason behind Londo's chitty chat, though, isn't because Londo was there trying to say that he's sorry. What he is there for is because he is also haunted by his actions the same way Veer is. But unlike Veer, who's just going to keep it to himself and drink about it, he (laughs) is looking for jakar to pat him on the head and say it's okay buddy you're Mm -hmm. you're fine he's looking for some some absolution without telling anybody that he's sorry that he would do anything differently if he had the chance to do it over again because i think at the end of the day we all know and he basically says it himself i was looking out for my people aka i do it all again the exact same fucking way Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a key point there, Mike. I, I completely agree with you. I think, yeah, Londo would do it the same way because at the end of the day, he got what he wanted. Nicole. Great point, Mike. I just got to say. Um, I just wanted to publicly say, just because I saw a possible shred of decency in Londo, I do not support forgiving Hitler. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> we're just going to start there. That's all. Just, that's all I want to say. He does clear. not, will never forgive Hitler. No, just I just, just wanted to point that out. I don't want somebody to say I'm a Hitler sympathizer. I think that's the episode lead in right there. I don't feel like anybody would say that they would forgive Hitler. You never know. (laughs) I don't know. There are a few groups out there right now. But nobody on this podcast is going to say they would forgive Hitler. And that's why I brought him into it because, like Scott made the point, Londo did probably kill more people than Hitler did. I, I may have just looked it up, so I'm on some kind of FBI watch list now because I googled Hitler's death count. But roughly, it's, <laughs> yeah. the best the best estimates between the Nazi genocides and the war itself is around 16 million people dead. I guarantee you, more Narns died from asteroids. I guarantee it. So I just, that's why I just wanted to compare the two. Cause I know, I know you two, I've known you two for 20 years. I know that there's zero fucking chance that you would ever be like, you know, if Hitler wasn't such a, you know, a murderer, he'd be all right. No, that's not the case. I know nobody on here believes that. That's why I like wanted to bring it to the forefront and say, Hey, like there's definitely somebody we would never talk like this about. So I don't know if it made any difference. And I'd just like to hop in and say that I have nothing against Henry Cavill. I would happily watch The Witcher season four with him. Hell yeah. Uh, or 
you know, have a role in Warhammer when it comes out. Just saying. I... He's he still has that picture that came out that he was reading a Galdarn script from Mass Effect, the TV show. And I need that to happen. No, no. Yeah, it came out like a, about a year and a half ago on his Instagram. He's sitting at a he's sitting in a dressing room and he's reading a script. And of course, the script was jumbled out. But people in the internet can figure shit out. So somebody unjumbled mm. it, and it was a Mass Effect script, I, and he was. I... I have, Commander no, Shepherd. I have no <laughs> doubt that he read that, but he's not going to do that role. He's going to be busy with his Warcraft thing. You need to not shut Warcraft, up. Warhammer thing. Yeah, he's definitely a Warhammer nerd. You need to also, shut up. Also, the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare looks fucking amazing. Yes, I have does, no actually. idea what Warhammer is, but let's just say my interpretation is probably a lot different. <laughs> now I want to know your interpretation, Emily. Yes, please. please share, Emily. Take us on might a side note, tangent, Might please. need to know. <laughs> It would be an inappropriate coloring book. <laughs> would you like to Warhammer? Oh, actually, would you like Henry Campbell to Warhammer you? Look, I'm not saying no. Okay. <laughs> I'll do Let's it. Say, there's, several, there's several people on the show that would not say no to that, Scott. Blake, mm. what? Just Listen, I'm Blake a, has good taste, all right? I'm a, I'm a straight-ass man, and if I had the opportunity with Henry Campbell, I probably wouldn't say no either. <laughs> and the answers will surprise you. <laughs> and Justin drops his soap immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> Okay, where are we? Anyway, <laughs> back to Babylon 5. Are we done with Londo and Jakarta anyway. at this point? I do like, I mean, we've been bashing on Londo a lot. I do think uh, that I appreciate that Jakarta's ice is starting to break down. As much as I gave Nicole shit, he didn't have to sign that document. He could have came out just like he did in the league and said, Narn's on the board, we support it. He did not have to do the joint statement, but he did. Even if his signature's not on the same page. So Jakari is starting to, you know, mellow out just a little bit. I, I do. Mean, Go ahead. So, I was going to say, I think Jesse said it best. He's he's a better man than I'll ever be. Yes. I, would, I would set myself on fire sooner than agree to help somebody that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> How he didn't shank Londo when he was right. like right in front of him. I'm like, really? You had an opportunity here. One of my. Well, it show, one it of shows the... that Jakari's the better guy. He yes. really is. He... I still believe that. Like, I believe Jakar is the better guy in this mm -hmm. entire situation. Absolutely. I just think Londo's trying to, yeah. whether it's faulty, whether it's it's selfish, whatever. I think Londo honestly wants to make up for his past. Whether he'll ever do it is yet to be seen. And I'm not sure he ever will. But, um, yeah. On the list of amazing... Andre, Andres Consuelo's um, line readings that we've seen throughout this. Londo's question, how's the eye? And he goes, it still sees. I yeah. fucking love that line. And, Nicole, we, know, and okay. we know it sees a lot because he found out he can use that to spy on people. Mm -hmm. Nicole? I was just going to say, I mean, Londo didn't really need Jakar to sign that paper. They were both going to support Earth or support Babylon 5 regardless. He didn't need him to do it. Do you know what I mean? I, I completely understand what you're saying, like, but I would argue Londo needed it more than Jakar. Yeah, I think it was just an idea, and he thought, let me shoot my shot. I don't think he was like, oh, I desperately need you to do this. Like, if he said no, he'd been like, all right, well, I'm still going to support Babylon 5. You know what I mean? I don't think it was like a need. I think maybe he used it as an excuse to, like, talk to Jakar. That's what I'm saying. Londo yeah. needed that much more than Jakar needed it. Okay, let's go ahead and move into the other main plot of the episode, which is the uh, taking of Proxima 3 and all that happens with that. So who wants to get started? <laughs> Jesse's like, no, fuck no. I will. I'll jump in. Nicole! Um, I really am glad that nothing happened to that Mackie guy because he was cool. <laughs> when the guy pulled the gun on him, 
I was like, no, he's the only good one. And then he's like, yeah, no, I took that fucker down. Like, we're good. Um, <laughs> but I really like I thought the whole like battle scene and like them sneaking up on them. Like, I thought it was really good. And like, regardless of what was happening, they did not back down. They stood their ground and they were like, we're fucking doing this, you know? And then not only did they get three of them to one fucking left, one dip, they jump gated like they're out of here. One, we're like, yeah, we're cool. We're not fighting. And then, like, as you see, one gets destroyed. And then that one guy, what was his name? The captain who was on that uh, hole or hole or hill. What was his name? Paul. Paul. Yeah. That guy was a dick. Okay. And then he was also a dick in Scrubs. Dr. Bob Kelso. Yeah. Oh, that's that's where he's from. He's another one of the, he's one of those, that guy. He's in everything. Okay. I, I thought I recognized him too, you know? Um, but I thought it was pretty badass that the girl was like, yeah, we're going to take him out and I'm taking over. You know what I mean? And Marsha Mitzman Gavin. Yeah. And she flat out told Sheridan, listen, I didn't want us all to get blown up. I didn't necessarily agree with him, but I'm not necessarily agreeing with you either. You know what I mean? So I thought that it was really cool to see her kind of take charge and put the safety of everyone on the crew over what was happening, because that guy was definitely like it was more of a pride. I'm not you know what I mean? Oh. It was not a safety of your crew. Well, I, I would go one step further, Nicole, and uh, the lieutenant, the commander Levitt calls him out. It's not a matter of pride either. It's a matter of he knows yeah. if he doesn't oh, fight this right. off, he would get court he's going to get court-martialed anyway. Yeah. So he knows yeah. he committed war crimes, and that's yeah. where Levitt calls him on it. Although, yeah. as you notice at the end, Sheridan points out, if we win this thing, you're still going to go to court, get court-martialed because you yep. followed Hall's orders. Yeah. And so Levitt screwed no matter what. Exactly. But I just really, I thought like, wow, like they really are not backing down and they handled their business. Like mm-hmm. B-I-Z capital biz. All right. Like they came in <laughs> hot and they fucking handled their shit. I just, it was so cool. And it was like, just such a, it like had me on the edge of my seat, like watching it. I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it was, it was good. Justin. Well, and going back to Hall, I mean, even Hall said himself, I'm a dead man either way. Because he knew that either he died in a blaze of glory, or if he didn't go through, he probably knew he ended up getting shot when he got back to Earth. So it's, yeah, he's, but honestly, I think he, I don't know if I'd consider him a true believer. I think, honestly, I think Hall was acting mostly out of fear of not, of what would happen to him if he did not comply with Clark's orders. Um, But the fact that just, just taking this as a sample size, one third of the Earth Earth Alliance forces are defecting. Two of them said, "Peace out, we're out of here." Two uh, two of them uh, fought, and then two of them defected. So I think that's very telling of exactly I think how the majority of the military's gonna pan out. Yeah, you and know. and I'll add to that, Justin. The ones who uh, checked out, they're coming back to. Make sure no one comes back to take Proxima again. And they're going to so, defend Proxima Exactly. So from, even if they're not fighting Earth. Clark, yeah, they're yeah. going to defend. So, yeah, it's even more than one. Yeah. It's maybe, okay, let's call it two-thirds then of exactly. the military yeah. is, is, is going to oppose Clark. Mm-hmm. So Clark has to know at this point, just based upon this battle alone. Now, again, I agree with Mike that we're probably going to see some kind of Empire Strikes Back moment. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But you're going to see significant defections, I think, from the Earth Alliance military. I, I just, just based on this episode, I'm not, re, I'm not going any further in this episode. 
I can see it if we're making another World War II illusion. Uh, Clark right now is Hitler again. Haha. Yeah. Uh, watching Russians move into Germany. You've got the Babylon 5 fleet now takes taking one of his strongholds. And he's like, uh-oh, what's next? Shit. I wouldn't consider this the Stalingrad moment, though. Mm. I don't know if I'd go that far in saying that, like, this is what's going to turn the tide against everything. Let's see what happens with Mars. Maybe mm-hmm. that'll be the Stalingrad moment. But I definitely think it's it's going to put some bad writing on the wall. And then I think Clark is going to have to come back and he's he's going to have to come back and hit hard. So that's I'm curious to see where that had, where, where that goes. Kevin. I do have one small disagreement with with you, Justin. It's just in the fact that I think Hall is absolutely a true believer. He's just also a coward. Bingo. I can okay. I can um, see that. I can see that. He's he just screams like the, especially the fact that he was in charge of the fleet. You know, Clark's not going to put somebody in charge of the Proxima Three uh, cruiser fleet who isn't a true believer. And by the end of it, he's like, "Well, I'm screwed either way." He's just a coward. He doesn't want to. Uh, own up to what he did but you know what kevin you are 100 right because you know what yeah you're you're right because he even said um when mackie was talking to sheridan i told the others that he wasn't up for this Mm -hmm. so i think i think you're you're right in your analysis at the end that he was probably a true believer oh one more add more one piece of evidence and that is when they get there they realize that hall has put one of the ships that are questionable with one of the true believer ships in both of the two fleets that way he knows he can keep them in check he knows what he's doing the other thing i want to mention about this I, i really appreciate the dynamic with marcus um because he really brings something even when he doesn't have a huge part in something i really enjoyed the dynamic between him and sheridan with him well you know he's taking kind of the the dark view of something and uh sheridan's like well thank you for that race sunshine marcus if i ever need (laughs) to be depressed i'll give you a call yeah Yeah. I I really appreciate Mark. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to make any bones about it. Marcus is one of my all time favorite characters. We never knew that, Kevin. Ever as you're yeah, yeah. wearing a Marcus garb in our photo, <laughs> Blake. You ha- okay? Your pants back up, Nicole. What do you got? I just kind of wanted to comment on what Kevin was saying about Hall. I also feel like he's a yes man for sure. That probably is why he was put in charge of the fleet because Clark could kind of use him as a puppet. Um, That's just my thoughts. But another thing I thought was interesting is um, obviously Mackie knew Sheridan, but their other ones were all new. Like, I think they were saying they were all new and they didn't know those captains. Right. So I feel like those other captains that didn't know Sheridan were probably being fed God knows what. So the fact that they got to see him in action and then come on the ship and talk with him and like get to know him a little bit, I thought was helpful because with all the propaganda and all the things that earth is saying and that hit piece that was done and that he's alien sympathizer and like all this other stuff. Like I think them seeing his character and seeing him in battle and like, you know, he's like stand down or you'll be destroyed. And he's like, he's not going to do it or whatever. And the lady's like, yeah, I'm not taking any chances. Yes, he will. I don't know this guy. You know what I mean? But I think that them being able to talk to him and have a conversation with him, that will probably I mean, this is just a, I guess this might be a prediction, but might send ripples out to other people in the military or whatever that like, oh, this guy isn't what they're saying. Maybe that word will get around. And I also think that was kind of an unspoken important piece of what happened is that they actually interacted with him and 
some of these new people haven't. And some of these people on Earth that are being told God knows what don't know him and haven't interacted with him. They just know what uh, ISN is telling them. So I just thought that was something that I feel like might be an important piece going forward as the battles continue. And they've also got Mackie to give them some inside yeah. information too, which I loved him. Yeah, I yeah, loved him. Great character. We haven't mentioned it, so I just want to throw out there and make sure we're all on the same page. It seems like, based on dialogue, uh, McDougal was a teacher of Sheridan at the academy. Yeah, it seemed that way, or at least a mentor. He was an instructor figure. at the academy. So there's, yeah. there's, it's not just like a glancing. Oh, I knew that guy. It's he's my one they, of my mentors. Yeah, they have a history together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Blake, so just a question to throw out there for some of our newbies. I'd be particularly hear what Justin thinks, but really anyone. So some of what Clark's been doing is the whole anti-alien propaganda, right? It's all aliens mm -hmm. against Earth. And yeah, Sheridan just liberated Proxima, but he shows up in a fleet of Mimbari ships with largely Mimbari crews. And, you know, you've had the Earth-Mimbari War. You've got Clark's propaganda about alien influence. So I'm just curious to see what you think the take on that might be. I mean, to answer your question, I think that it's going to be... They're, they're going to use it against him for sure. They're going to say, oh, look, you know, the only reason why Sheridan can do anything is because he has all, look at all this alien support he has. He's obviously under foreign influence, you know, and so that's what, they're just going to use it as further propaganda where, because one, they're never going to admit that they lost a battle because that's not going to happen. They're going to find a way to twist it into, you know, if they even talk about it, they're going to twist it, try and twist it into some kind of, see, see, we were right all along. Sheridan's, you know, the, the, the puppet of all the alien races and everything like that. So that's what I think exactly is what's going to happen with it. They're just salty because they don't got the cool ships. Yeah, Sheridan's going to do backflips. Theirs have to spin. Anybody else got anything for Blake on that question? I mean, I agree with Justin. I yeah. think it would just feed into their point of, you know alien manipulation because they're not showing up in like earth ships but of course they're not gonna be in earth ships because earth isn't gonna give them ships so like what else are they gonna show up in did they just show up with white stars or did they have white stars right. and star furies well they had star furies yes yeah but the white stars were the main piece yeah i mean they all knew that he had the backing of the membari anyways though so i don't i mean yeah i could see maybe they'll use it against him but also like they already know that he rolls with them. So yeah, that's that's the whole point of the propaganda yeah. is we know that he's with the Mimbari. And in fact, we know he's got yeah. Mimbari war syndrome. So he's a puppet of the Mimbari. And then he shows up with a whole bunch of Mimbari looking ships. But they're also part Vorlon. They don't know that. It yeah. looks like a Mimbari ship. Yeah. But they also came with Star Furies too. So I don't know. But I, I see your point. Well, and I kind of read into the, the talk with the league of down the line worlds how he kind of told them like don't get involved just stay out of it and i kind of my read on that at least in part was he doesn't want sure doesn't, doesn't want to show up with his liberation army tailed by a big coalition of alien ships it kind of is undercut by the fact that his fleet is alien ships <laughs> all white stars but at least the white stars aren't easily identifiable as oh that's a drowsy or oh that's a narn or you know yeah the other thing to keep in mind too is we've seen what the white stars can do they have they can obliterate shadow ships so not only is he bringing a white star fleet he's bringing a fleet that if they were really going at full bore probably could make mincemeat of these destroyers and they did i mean it wasn't truly much of a battle 
Yeah, I, I, I wondered about that too, because I, I mean, yeah, it took the White Stars quite a bit of effort to take down Shadow Ships, but we know that they could, and mm -hmm. they're obviously more nimble and more technically advanced than the human ships, so it seems like it wouldn't be too much of a challenge, but then again, I don't know. I mean, the way Sheridan and Ivanova talked made it sound like they were expecting it to be a slugfest. Mm -hmm. Well, I think too, I'm, uh, that's where I said, you know, it's, I think they were holding back. I don't think they want to blow everything up. I don't think they want to kill all these humans. So yeah, they're sure going to come. Be a good look. Yeah, so they're going to come in not with full guns ablazing, which means it's going to be easier for you to get killed because you're not fighting at a hundred percent. I don't know, Justin. Uh, two things. One, um, we didn't see all of the losses on Sheridan's side, but yeah. even like. Even Ivanova and Sheridan even said, you know, hey, congratulations on your victory. And he goes, this was no victory. We we achieved our military objective. But even like Sheridan says, we sustained some pretty heavy losses. And even Ivanova during your broadcast says, we sustained some pretty heavy losses. So we didn't see it all on camera, but I'm assuming they lost probably quite a few white mm. stars on top of Star Furies and everything else. So a lot of people died on both sides um, for this. I read that differently. I, I didn't read really? it like they lost their own side. I think they mean that in a civil war, everyone's on the same side. You're just shooting yeah. at each other. So the yeah. way I read it was we lost a lot of people because there was a lot of people on that destroyer that blew up. And there was a lot okay. of people in those star I mean, series. I still, I'm, I'm, I may have to go back and rewatch that. Well, scene, I, I, but... I don't think, I don't think there's like a definitive answer. I just, I read it okay. differently than how you're reading it. But well, um... didn't one of the white stars crash into one of mm -hmm. the? And we saw quite a few star furies blow up too. Uh, at least a white star, countless star furies, is my guess. But, but you're right. It, it I, I had the question. I was actually going to bring it up uh, beyond the rim. So I'm glad we're talking about it now because I was wondering why they didn't roll more because of the you know, Vorlon and um, and Mari technology that they've got on those white stars. But that makes, but you're, what you said, Scott, makes a lot of sense. So basically JMS talked about the, sh the ships and went into some detail about, yeah, if all you want is just straight up slaughter, then yeah, the white stars could have absolutely went in there and just cleaned, cleaned house. Um, but trying to minimize losses, uh, considering you're fighting essentially your own people. Uh, so they went in and they had kid gloves on and that, that was pretty much his response. He had two separate questions about it. And that was his response to both of them were, if you just want to destroy for destroy and kill everything in sight, they'll do it. Um, but there was a certain level of kid gloves in this one. And I don't think we should read into that as the next couple of fights. If there are going to be fights are going to be just as easy because Proxima of the main areas is probably the least defended. It's often Proxima Centauri star system. And we even heard that it's kind of a small colony. So when, when, when and if they get to Mars and Earth, I think it's going to be a little different, is my guess. Anything else on the episode proper before we get to questions, predictions? Nicole. I have one thing. Franklin was looking a little gray in this episode. His hair, he's looking a little older. He's been screwing number one. She she stresses him out. <laughs> Beer looks like he's lost weight. He, he was His face was looking thinner. Well, when you turn to a liquid diet, I mean. Yeah, that can happen. <laughs> He's absolutely drinking his life away right now. We're seeing it. Everyone's an alcoholic on B5. What else you gonna do? Are we not gonna talk about Garibaldi going to Mars? I was just gonna ask and if why you he's and, going to Mars. Nicole wanted to talk about Garibaldi. But we know why he's going to Mars, right? We were told that. To meet Eggers. Edgar, Eggers has called him to Mars. Yeah, yeah. 
I was really pissed at the end. I mean, I brought it up in my first impressions that I, I was very unhappy about that situation. I thought Veer was trying to talk some sense into him. Obviously, Veer doesn't really know like everything that went on because he wasn't there. But I thought like Veer was having an honest conversation with him and almost trying to like, you're not going to fight. You're not going to join up. Like, you know, like he was trying to encourage him or whatever. But, um, you know, he's like, oh, I'm not with Sheridan, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then at the end when he's like, I'm not coming back. I was like, what the hell? Like. You're going to go to fucking Mars and stay there with your ex and her new husband and pine over her while she's with this other fucking dude that is faceless. Have fun, bro. Like, get your head out of your ass and get Besser out of your fucking head. Easier said than done with Besser. I know. Just made me, <laughs> it made me so angry. Did they actually say Edgar's called him back? Was it Edgar's? Yes. Yeah, it was Edgar's called him a few episodes ago and said, actually, it's happened twice now. He, the first time he's like, you're going to take a job with me and sooner or later I'm going to have you come back to Mars. And then the next episode, Garibaldi's like, when are you bringing me to Mars? And then the episode after that, okay, time to come to Mars. Okay. So three times this happened. He was actually like, if that was kind of implied that Edgar's was, yes, actually calling him for a job or if it was... You're the one who still thinks Edgar's is an AI. So, I mean, what are we going to do here? I agree. I don't think Edgar's is real. <laughs> I'm just saying, we haven't seen his face. No one's seen his face. We don't know what he's like, okay? Yeah, but you know, it's been kind of teed up for a couple episodes now that sooner or later, Garibaldi and Edgar's, well, yeah. depending on if you think Edgar's is real or not, Garibaldi will be brought to Mars yeah, because of so Edgar's. It's not so much, do I think Edgar's is real? It's, do I think he's human? One way to find out. Christ. We never saw Charlie either, so yeah, he's the oh, leader of Blake's up in 13. the corner. <laughs> like what'd you say? Nobody puts Blake in the corner. So he's like the leader of Bureau Thirteen or whatever it was. Right? <laughs> oh God, not that again! <laughs> and we never saw should, her again. What the should, fuck? Should we put Justin out of his misery right now? Should we do that? Yeah, yes. go ahead. Okay, Justin, we have been speaking of fucking Just with you for a long time. God, yes, I think we I, we got into a point now because the last like Bureau Thirteen thing could have been the bester thing, so. I feel like we're in a good spot. So you were so excited about Bureau 13 and we loved the shit out of it when it came up because what happened was Bureau 13 was supposed to be an absolute part of the show. However, when that episode aired that had Bureau 13, JMS was made aware that there was a tabletop game at the same time called Bureau 13. And there was no suing or anything, but just to ensure that the license was protected and that he wasn't going to get sued, he decided never to use it again. Oh, my God. <laughs> so every time you have brought up, when's Bureau 13 coming back? And we're like, it's not. <laughs> Flip the fucking table. I'm done. Fuck this shit. And the fact that it was a tabletop game, I think, was just added bonus for yes, us. It really was. <laughs> Yeah, and actually, uh, how how it all boiled down was people on the Usenets were saying, "Hey, are, did, are you referencing this tabletop game?" And JMS is like, "Well, shit, what? No, I'm not." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but well, he should have just changed it to Section Thirty One, and everything would have exactly. Been fine. Oh man! Speaking of oh, upcoming Star Trek programs but... that are gonna suck. Hey, man, yeah. we need to. So can we can we track down a copy of Bureau, Bureau Thirteen for a stream? We, we should actually. We yeah, should. let me let me work on that. Justin, get on can, that. Yeah, I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, not I'll track down a copy and we'll do we'll fuck around with it. But that's a that's a bummer because I was really hoping that was going to be a fun storyline. <laughs> We've been waiting, and I was like, mm, okay, it's oh, it's been a fun storyline, but just not the <laughs> only for the <laughs> 
every time you brought Bureau 13, we have fun and beyond oh, every it. single time. Yep. Well, at least I'm good for something around here. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, I can't remember if it was Blake or Kevin, in one show, they brought it up just to get you going. Oh, it was oh, me. That, that was doesn't Mike. shock me. I've done that, it that surprises me not at all. <laughs> Y'all wonder yeah. why I have trust issues. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but well, absolutely. I'm sorry, I had nothing to do with any of that. Justin. And in an alternative <laughs> reality where somebody didn't have a license to the name, you would have gotten a lot more Bureau 13. It really, I think the way the intention was is it would have been a part of Psychor. And it would have just been yeah. another part of Psychor. But we'll never know because they no, immediately well, killed that storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's, you know what, that's fair. But it's still, you know, again, I agree with Emily, but this is why I think you gaslight us all the time, Scott. And you're like, who? We me? absolutely were on that one. <laughs> who, me? Oh, gosh. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, come on, man. Love you, bro, but fuck. Love you, too. Blake, what do you got? This is the heart. Oh. Yeah. I did want to touch on, just real quick, another one of the great Ivanova lines from the whole getting ready for the battle part was, you know, Trust Ivanova, trust yourself. Oh, that's going on a t-shirt. And everyone else shoot shoot him. Anyone else shoot him. But Emily brought up um, Veer looking like he had lost weight. And that's Stephen first. So when he was hired into the role, he had been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Pretty severe, actually. And between season 3 and 4, he ended up with a pretty nasty infection and was hospitalized. And almost lost part of a foot due to that infection. So when he got out, he actually did start dieting and exercising and lost uh, around 80 pounds before he came back into season four. Um, Because they actually commented on it that when he came back, wardrobe had to redo most of his stuff because none of his uh, costumes fit anymore because of how much weight he lost between being in the hospital and then dieting and exercising uh, with that as a result of that infection. So you're right there. He absolutely did lose weight between seasons, but had to do with his... Uh, health issues that he was suffering from uh yeah i was wondering if that was the underlying cause of it yep i mean that's ultimately what he passed from was complications kevin a couple more production things um vehar wanted to give a lot of credit to the director of photography john flynn because he came up with the idea of shooting through the battle plan on the bridge and i i really like that in particular i thought that was a great shot the other part of this that i think is interesting that we don't have to get into but um jms when he wrote this script uh his his main objective was to show you know the the whole idea of what does a soldier do when they get immoral orders and you know what's the difference between um you know you know passive defiance and active defiance and how does that play into, you know, what what a soldier should do when they get the immoral orders? And the, the, that whole storyline, I, I find it particularly interesting because this is just uh, such a, a, a terrible situation with a civil war going on. But uh, and you can, you know, you can absolutely agree or disagree with whether Sheridan had other options or not. But uh, it's it certainly makes for awesome television. Okay, let's go ahead and end the episode with our questions and predictions. For those of you who are coming to us for the first time, our newbies have not watched past No Surrender, No Retreat, so they have no idea what's going to happen next. So we're going to ask each of them if they have any lingering questions after what they've watched and then give us predictions of what will come next. And for the first time ever, Justin 
guaranteed will not mention Bureau 13 in his predictions. At least I assume. <laughs> he's giving me the do death. Just to fuck with you now. He's giving me the death look right now. Every okay. episode I'm going to talk about Bureau 13. <laughs> Speaking of uh, and Justin. And kebabing. <laughs> and trans. No. Speak- Speaking of Justin, let's have you go first, buddy. Questions and predictions. Um, I don't have a whole lot for this one, but I do have a couple things. Um, My main question, where was that scout ship from the Heracles going? What what was she up to? When they first, the first thing in, when we got to Proxima, there was a scout ship that left left the Heracles and jumped into like, okay, I'm going off on my mission, guys, bye, and jumps away and goes into hyperspace and flies right by the right by the white star fleet it's like where is she going what's she what's she scouting out what's she up to um because i always wonder if she was going off of you know is she going to go do some surveillance on babylon 5 i don't know that was the one question i had from the episode um couple predictions one i think based kind of off of some of our earlier discussion about kind of the ratio of forces defecting I think we're going to see a lot of uh, EA forces, Earth Alliance forces, defect over to Babylon 5. But that leaves the true believers in Clark's control. And we've seen throughout history, even inferior numbers can still win battles when they're all believe in the cause. So it, it's going to get scrappy. But I think you're going to see a lot of uh, Earth Alliance forces defect over to Babylon 5. Uh, and then my second prediction is I think Garibaldi is going to go straight to Mars and tell the people he works for exactly what's happening, you know, and he's going to rat out Babylon 5. Hey, you know what? They're coming for us next. And I think that Garibaldi is going to end up fighting for Mars against Sheridan. He even told Veer, I'm going to fight my I'm going to fight, but I'm going to fight my own way. And I think that means he's going to end up on the opposite side from Sheridan when it comes for the battle for Mars. That is all. Emily, questions, predictions? Uh, first prediction, nothing good is going to happen to Garibaldi when he gets to Mars. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't foresee anything good happening to him for a while while he's tangled with Edgar's and whatever Buster's got planned for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about him. I do have a question. So the Centauri are basically supporting B5, and I'm really wondering why, because the Keepers are on B5, and the Keepers were working with the Shadows, who are working with Psychor and the EarthGov. Isn't that what they were called? The little Keepers are like- You're right. I'm questioning why you think they're on B5, though. We've never been shown that. No, because they're on Centauri Prime. Okay, you said the Keepers are on B5. Centauri essentially supporting B5, because that- Unless it's just to create more chaos and they don't actually care about the sides. They're just little chaos goblins. And then let's see, what's actually going to happen to the telepaths on B5? Because they've been hanging out there for a while. And Franklin's obviously trying to get things out of their brain. So is he ever successful or are they just trapped like in stasis, basically not being able to do anything? And when is Dylan coming back to B5? Like, I know she's got some stuff going on but you know at what point will she return she's still using aloe vera <laughs> yeah she's visiting Bureau oh i just got it <laughs> wow really oh jesus oh, yeah. still really? don't get it i don't I get it, it at all. Was, i thought it was a sex joke at first then i was like oh, no. oh my God. yeah it's me do i make sex jokes nicole, no. she, has a, I just put up nicole she has a sunburn from the from the wheel 
She, the last her episode the Eiffel Towering. There's nothing <laughs> sexier than Bird Mike. <laughs> I got that mic. Sorry. Uh, nope. I'm I'm my brain is jello right now. Does she have some light 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 chafing that she has to Okay. Emily, do you have any predictions? Um just that nothing good's gonna happen to Garibaldi. Yeah, I got that one. Okay, great. Jesse, questions, predictions. Um, how long do I have to wait before Jakar kills Londo? If you don't believe Justin that the future can, can be changed, then it will be seven to sixteen years from this episode. Well, I hope it's when it's still playing in the season. I'm trying to think. I had another one and I can't remember what it was. My predictions are there's gonna be some big fights in the next couple episodes, and that's about it. You're all welcome for that knowledge I just shared with everyone. Jesse's predict Jesse's prediction is pew pew. Pew pew. Pew pew. Boom tomorrow. Boom tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe boom next week. We will see. Nicole, questions, predictions. I guess mine is a question and a prediction at the same time. I oh, really, good. I think Edgar's and Bester are in cahoots to control Garibaldi, but also our Bester and, you know, is that's okay, what I think. Time out. You got to pick one. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. I prediction. I, I think, think they are. Yes, are they? <laughs> I think Bester and this Edgar's guy are in cahoots. And Garibaldi is their little puppet. That's what I think. And the same uh, person, though. Or they, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question, Justin. Don't dun, dun, dun. don't litter my mind. Um, and then otherwise, I feel like um this episode was kind of the catalyst to the next steps in this battle and this evolution of you know um Earth Alliance and and Babylon Five. And I already forgot who said it about um. Garibaldi telling everybody on Mars what was going on and that they were coming. But I definitely agree with that point. So that's all I got. You're welcome. Sorry, my brain doesn't work anymore. I've had that problem for about 20 years. It's fine. Okay, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there with our newbies. We're going to send them out the airlock so they don't hear any of these spoilers that are going to be coming up after the credits. So if you too are watching for the first time, this is where you should jettison out. And we'll be back here next week to discuss the next episode which is the exercise of vital powers until then i've been scott and with me has been emily like justin like nicole Jesse, and kevin and remember to click all the buttons all the likes the subscribes do all that and please if you can leave us a review and you can come chat with us on facebook on twitter or by joining our patreon and joining our discord we are around and we'll see you next week. And for those who don't care about spoilers, we'll see you in about 45 seconds. See Bye. 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 Bye, everybody. Cool. Good talk, All guys. All right. I'm going to take my jello brain to bed. Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to and watch this podcast at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast or youtube.com at gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you are listening to or watching this podcast. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and the podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim.
and beyond that? The truth. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim. Again, this is a spoiler section, so if you have not watched past No Surrender, No Retreat, or if you can't remember what happens next, this is where you should leave us. And if not, we're going to dive in to all the questions and predictions our newbies had. But guys, before that, Nicole threw something in there that wasn't a question or prediction. She just talked about it, and I found kind of funny. We were talking about the White Stars and how they could really do well against the Earth Fleet. And then Nicole said, yeah, Earth doesn't really have any cool ships like that. And uh, uh, that's kind of uh, not correct. So as we'll see, the even though Clark like all good fascists, uh, is talking about how aliens are bad. He's also a hypocrite and has been working with aliens the entire time, the shadows. So we will see the shadow destroyer hybrids soon enough. In fact, do we see them next episode? We don't see him just at Endgame. We see him before that too, right? I can't remember. Uh, I think it's just at the very end. Yeah. Is it at the end? The very end. Okay, either way, we're going to see them. They're, they're so they still do have not cool that ships. cool. I mean... Well, they, they could have been if, and we'll get to Emily's question in a minute here, they would have been cool if the telepaths don't knock them out real quick. I, I was going to say, I, I wish they had brought back Major Ryan and the Alexander mm. um, for this for this episode. I thought that would be a really cool you know, um, to, to bring them back into the fold that way. It's a shame that Bruce McGill isn't on the show again. Um, I'm a big fan of his, but it just would have it just would have been really cool to have a couple of Earth destroyers in yeah. on that fight. And the fact that they didn't do that, I don't know if that's just they already had too many guest stars with the other captains, or uh, they just didn't think about it, or he wasn't available, or what. But uh, I was I was disappointed. And by Scott, that. it'll be between the darkness and the light. I believe is when the advanced Omegas show up. Okay, great. And actually, there's a note on Lurker's Guide, Kevin. The Alexander has survived and is apparently now patrolling Proxima 3 to guard against retaliation. So it must be like a... I didn't even catch it, but there must be a scene in this episode that shows the Alexander floating around at the end or something. So it does pop up, but you're right. It's not part of the fleet attacking. Or if it is, we just didn't see it. Okay, let's go ahead and dive into our questions and predictions. First questions is where was that scout ship from the Heracles going? Uh, just, just to look around hyperspace, because they, they were anticipating a ship approaching on Beacon. Mm-hmm. So they were probably launching scouts into hyperspace to see if anything was heading their way, because they, they specifically mentioned the White Stars were gathering just far enough off the Beacon to not be detected. Which I suppose we probably could have told the newbies the answer. Yeah, that's true. But I would rather feed the uh, conspiracy monster than <laughs> him at this point, so... If you've ever played the uh, game uh, I Found Her, which is a fan-made Babylon 5 game, which I did a little bit of a playthrough on our YouTube channel, once you lose the beacon, you're screwed. Because I died a lot. Moving right along, how long until Jakar kills Londo? I, I told him, 16 years. years. I get what uh, Justin's saying, and I can see that you know you don't want a finite end to a story, but jms wasn't even mincing words back uh in the day i mean i was looking at the the lurker's guide for this episode and he flat out says londo is going to have a keeper and the reason why he's making londo make these choices now to be a little bit more 
uh, understandable, like we were seeing with Justin and Nicole, he's doing that to make you like him again. So when he does fall again, it's even worse. And he flat out told people that he he wasn't trying to hide it. So 16 years from now, Chikara will strangle Londo to death. And he's going to be asked to do it. Exactly. Londo. Exactly. And that's the key is Jakar is his friend and does respect him. And his last bit of respect and Londo's last bit of redemption is saving Centauri Prime by killing himself. Uh, why are the Keepers allowing the Centauri to help Sheridan? Because we know there's a Keeper on the Regent right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair question, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, makes you wonder, you know, it's, to me, it's like, well, if Londo was calling the shots, Londo's on B5, tells them what they're going to do over the phone. The, the drug kit exactly respond over the phone and be like no we're not gonna do that so kind of tip tip their hand that something was was up but um i i mean i guess if londo's not calling the shots though then yeah i really don't know the answer to that question well and you know sheridan what he's doing is causing more chaos Mm -hmm. and that's what the shadows like so my guess is the drock probably are of the same thought process and they don't know that sheridan's going to win i guess the other thing is the drock are not the shadows they're they're friends of the shadows but the shadows are gone yeah. so they so the drock don't have any direct connection or inroads necessarily with the clark regime so they probably don't really care about the humans beating on one another or not they have no skin in that game in fact it's probably to their benefit that the humans do beat on one another and weaken themselves to the point that the drock can eventually get around to warming up their super weapon and go in and take care of business that's my point. Yep, I completely agree. That's they want to sow, uh, you know, trouble and having Sheridan take out Earth or Earth take out Sheridan both helps them regardless. So why not? Okay. Uh, why? Oh, I already did that one. What's going to happen to the telepaths who are in stasis? Well, they're going to get used like bombs. Yeah. Well, we're going to see the start of that next episode because Lita and Franklin are going to try to work it out and actually we heard about this episode that sheridan has a plan for them as you guys said that's uh that's the end game they're going to place the telepaths on to earth ships and shut them down when is delin coming back i feel like we had this conversation last week i'm sure we did <laughs> we did <laughs> she'll be back uh several episodes from now she will not see sheridan until after he's ate his sandwich let's see predictions more and more EA military will go to Sheridan, leaving only the true believers left to defend Earth, which will make things more bloody because the true believers who are left will not stop fighting. I mean, more ships are going to defect and join up. Yeah, I mean, they're yep. not wrong. I don't know if it makes no, it more I, bloody necessarily. It's going to be bloody no matter what. Yeah, and, I, and it really, I mean, a lot of ships, he's right. I mean, a lot of ships are going to either defect or they're going to stand down and not fight. But really what's going to make it potentially bloody is Clark has his doomsday array around the Earth. So if he can't have it, no one will. And that's going to start the the final fight is they're going to have to take out those arrays, which means a lot of people are going to die. But it's not really because the only the true believers are left. It's just that Clark will not play fair. He plays dirty. Well, we do know from Earth history that the true believers will die fighting and then some dumb hicks will put statues up that we'll have to look at for centuries to come. (laughs) It was for states' rights, guys, I swear. 
you can send your hate mail to gray17podcast at gmail.com. And we will quickly delete it. Mm-hmm. I'll shove your Confederate flag straight up your ass. Have a nice yeah. day. As you should. Jesse's prediction. Pew, pew. Yes, pew, pew. Pew, pew. Yes, pew, pew. I mean, there's no sound in space, idiot. <laughs> oh, goddamn. <laughs> oh, yes, there is. It's uh, pew, pew. I'm afraid of her. It's fine. <laughs> everyone's afraid of her (laughs) i've been punched by her i'm definitely afraid of her nothing good will happen to mr garibaldi on mars oh shit yeah no it's not it's i mean about a year and a half down the road a lot of good things are going to happen to garibaldi on mars but not this trip this trip's gonna suck right he will be used by edgars as we discussed previously on beyond the rim to uh get sheridan to go off looking for his dad and get Sheridan captured. Mm-hmm. And then he'll return to B5. It will be found out that he did that even as he is getting the brainwashing removed and he will become enemy number one for Ivanova and the crew. So shit's gonna go down for Mr. Garibaldi. Garibaldi is going to rat out B5 when he gets to Mars. Yes, but not in the way that I think Justin thought. I think Justin thought he was gonna say, hey, B5's coming for you. They already know that. What he is going to do is he's going to screw over Sheridan. So not really ratting him out, just screwing him over. Other, I'm going to go ahead and loop in our last prediction because it kind of goes along with Please. this about Edgar's investor in cahoots. And, you know, that's the exact opposite of what it is. It's Bester is right. after Edgar's. Uh, and that's the whole purpose. You know, the brainwashing wasn't to get Sheridan. The, the intent and purpose was never to get Sheridan. That's, you know, almost just the bonus in all of this is setting that up. The whole mm-hmm. point was to get Garibaldi into edgar's because edgar's is working on allegedly this cure for a telepath virus which really is a not a cure but rather the virus itself to Mm -hmm. make telepaths dependent on a drug to be controlled so it's that idea that bester's after that anything else that happened is just you know ancillary to that yeah and it shows you know again the newbies aren't always listening or or uh, taking in everything that we've we've seen so far because we saw how much Edgar's doesn't like telepaths. He made that clear when he made Garibaldi fire Lita. So uh, the fact that they would be working together seems uh, kind of far fetched, uh, given that information. And our last question, we can kind of tie up loose ends as well too is that Garibaldi will fight for Mars, but against Sheridan. Not really. Uh, By the time Sheridan pushes towards Mars, Garibaldi has lost his brainwash and uh, is trying to help things out. So uh, that won't be a main part of the conflict at all. In fact, Garibaldi will basically be sidelined. Well, no, he won't. He'll be on Mars trying to help Sheridan, actually. Yeah, because he's part of the one that breaks him out. And then there's that moment where Sheridan, under the influence of drugs, damn near unloads a PPG in him. Yeah, and, but then the next episode, or episode after, I can't remember which, uh, Garibaldi is still on Mars, and he's helping to get the telepaths transported, so he will help Sheridan, but still be hated by everybody for quite a while. We only have seven episodes left of season four, which really, truly, we only have six episodes left of season four, plus deconstruction, which really doesn't tie in to the season at all. So I'm interested to see how these next six episodes fall on the newbies, because um, I don't think season four has been taken as well as season three, but most of season four happens in the next six episodes. So we'll see how they handle that. Just a reminder to make sure to click all the buttons, like, subscribe, follow. 
If you're on YouTube, I've heard a lot of complaints again about people not seeing when our videos drop. So click that bell icon, that notify button that will help you uh, get notified as soon as we drop anything. Or if we go live again, which we absolutely will. Actually, right now, the girls are planning a coloring book live. I have no idea what that's going to look like, but they're planning it. So it should be interesting. So click that bell icon if you want to watch Jesse color dicks. And I'm not even joking. <laughs> so until next week, when we talk exercise of vital powers, I've been Scott and with me has been Blake, Mike, and Kevin. And uh, yeah, see you around. Fun times. I never have an outro ever. <laughs> Mr. Bonova, trust yourself. Anybody else? Shoot him. <laughs>